Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. One person has put it this way, a man by the name of Harold Barker in his book Secure Forever says this, one does not put his money in a bank unless he's quite sure it will be secure, right, obviously, nor will one invest his life as a sacrifice and work for God unless he knows that his investment is secure. That's the way it is. Because I know that if I invest my life in the cause of Christ, then my labor is not in vain. If I can lose my salvation, then my labor is in vain and the word of God is not true. And you might as well throw it out. Why do we serve the Lord? I serve him because I love him. Because he made me and then he bought me with his own life. But I know many people who serve the Lord so that he will not forsake them, even though he repeatedly said that he would never do that. While I was in Honduras, a woman called the radio station where I served because she had an issue with a discussion we had just aired about eternal security and the many clear Bible references to it. Her only argument against it was that Peter lost his salvation when he denied Christ and then got it back later. I said, wait a minute, that's not in the Bible. She ignored my comment and went on. I stopped her again and asked her to show me in the Bible where it said that Peter lost his salvation. But she again went on as if I had never said anything. I'm guessing she was basing her assumption on an incomplete understanding of Matthew 10.33 and ignoring everything else Jesus said about our security in Him. It was one of the strangest conversations I've ever had. I know that not everyone who believes they can lose their salvation is irrational, as that caller seemed to be. But I do think that they have not followed their assumptions through to their logical conclusion. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is guiding us in a study of the doctrine of eternal security. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We reached back to 1982 to find this wonderful series of messages about eternal security. So if the audio seems a little off now and then, well, we did our best, but these are some pretty old tapes. But I think once you get engaged with the content, you'll be glad you tuned in. In our last program, Pastor Steve began telling about some of the dangers in not believing in eternal security. One danger, I think, is basic because it affects all our other beliefs. It is that misunderstanding this subject clouds our understanding of other scripture topics. Now let's get ready to review a few of the other dangers in eternal insecurity. Number two, it leads to spiritual depression. It leads to spiritual depression. If you've ever had doubts of salvation, you know what I mean. If you've ever had doubts of salvation, you know how depressed you can become. That's Satan's tool. Discouragement, depression, despair. The very uncertainty of our spiritual condition causes depression. If I thought that I could lose my salvation, then I just couldn't possibly be joyful. Could you? And yet the Bible says rejoice. How could you rejoice? If maybe you'll lose it tonight, how could you possibly rejoice? 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, John writes this. 
And these things, he says, we write, he's speaking about fellowship, so that our joy might be made complete. We're writing this, we want to be joyful, we want to be joyful, we want you to be joyful, and so forth. All of these things, we want you to have fellowship with the Father, our joy is complete. And then he concludes his, his book, his letter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you, not just that you might have your joy complete. How do you have your joy complete? By verse 13, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. How is our joy made complete? So that you may know that you have eternal life. Joy comes by true knowledge, by security. Joy comes by knowing that you're saved. Joy comes by knowing that you're secure. Confidence breeds joy. Shouldn't breed arrogance, but joy. Uncertainty breeds doubt and despair. In fact, after the, the service, I spoke to one of our visitors, and uh, one of the things he said to me was how comforting the message was. It's a message of comfort. Message of comfort. You go through Pilgrim's Progress, and you see all that Christian and hopeful went through as they were in, I think it's the Castle of Despair, and, and the Giant of Doubt, who, who beat them over with doubts. And you know, uh, he's in a dungeon, uh, Hopeful and Christian are in a dungeon, and the, the giant of doubt comes to him, and he, he says, look, you've got just a few days, and, and then kill yourself. Die, because you'll never get out of this place of doubt. And Christian and Hopeful pray all night, and then it dawns on, on Christian. He's got the solution to the problem in his pocket. He's got a key there that unlocks any door of doubt. And you know what that key is? The key is called promise. And the promise is based on the word of God. And he says, he says look, I've been so, so foolish. I don't have to take these doubts. I can get out of here at any moment. I've got the right key. And the key is resting on the promises of God. So a great danger is spiritual depression. I, I do not understand how people can think they can lose their salvation yet have any joy in the Christian life if they are any kinds of sensitive Christians. Logic must tell them that they cannot be joyful. They cannot have a confident joy like the Bible calls us to. Number three, so third danger. It leads to an attitude that the Lord's return or the rapture, let's say, isn't something we look forward to. If you believe you can lose your salvation, you cannot look forward to the rapture or the Lord's return. But it's something you have to fear because how can you look forward to his return if you aren't sure he's returning for you? How can you look forward to it? In fact, if I didn't think he was returning for me, I would dread it. Titus 2.13 calls it the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I could lose my salvation, it's no blessed hope. It's a dreadful event. Because he's not coming back for me. He's coming back to deal with me. And then I've got real problems. In fact, 1 John, I'd like you to see this. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 deals with this. John writes his book about certainty. And he says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. What, what, what certainty do you see? We are the children of God. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, he says, now we are the ch children of God. Right now we're the children of God. Not maybe. Not I think so. Now we are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We don't know exactly what we'll be like, but right now we're the children of God. We know that when he shall appear, that is Christ, we should be like him. That's all we need to know. We're going to be like him because we shall see him just as he is. 
And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. We are to be looking. We are to have a wonderful anticipation. It is a purifying hope. But if I can lose my salvation, I don't want to look for that. In fact, I don't want him to return. I want him to postpone it. That's certainly not the attitude of the New Testament saints. Number four, it leads, and this is one you see so often, it leads to self-centeredness rather than Christ-centeredness. Do you realize that we are to be caught up in the glory of God? We are to be obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to worship Him. We are to, we are to be consumed with Him and not ourselves. I think it was mentioned in the film last last Wednesday uh, with Earl Radmacher, Gordon MacDonald, John MacArthur. Uh, one of them said one of the real problems in, in evangelical circles is how much we think about ourselves. We write books about ourselves. We, we are caught up in, I think someone called it quasi-Christian uh, counseling. And, and much of what, it, what happens is that we become uh, overly introspective. We become overly introspective and we are only thinking about ourselves and that's really a danger. That's really a danger. Now, what happens if you think you could lose your salvation, then who are you going to be focusing on? Certainly not the Lord. You're going to be focusing on yourself. Your sin. Comparing yourself with others. Thinking about, did, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Did, what's the problem here? It, everything is centered on you and that's the wrong perspective. You'll really be discouraged if you think about yourself a lot. You'll be discouraged about your sin. You'll be discouraged about your, your carelessness in Christian living and you're not to live like that. You say, but wait a minute, doesn't the scripture tell us to examine ourselves? Yes, but not all the time. If there's a need for you to examine yourself, fine. But not all the time. If you do that all the time, then you're always thinking about yourself. Paul said that to the Corinthians who were caught up in sin. If you're, if you're deeply involved in sin, yes, then you ought to examine yourself whether you are in the faith. But if you're walking with the Lord, no examination is needed. It's just spiritually paralyzing. Self-centeredness is spiritually paralyzing. And you don't need it, and God doesn't want it, and we're to think not about ourselves, but about Christ. Number five, it leads to either the wrong motivation for godly living or careless Christian living. And I've said that before, but I'll just reiterate again. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. But if my salvation is dependent on my continued obedience, then I must keep his commandments not out of love, but out of fear I'll be sent to hell. And that's totally wrong. Oh, let's look at this a little bit. What about careless Christian living? We're accused, those of us who believe in eternal security, that we will lead people into careless Christian living. Absolutely not. That's contrary to the word of God. Insecurity of the believer leads to careless Christian living, not security. Let me prove it to you by some verses. Number one, Ephesians 4.1. You don't need to turn there. I just went over it before. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you or beseech you or appeal to you to walk worthy. Walk worthy of the high calling of God. Walk worthy of the high calling with which you've been called. Walk worthy of your vocation. Walk worthy of your calling. The call to a worthy uh, walk is based upon our secure position in Christ. Paul said, I therefore. The therefore is, is saying, based on how secure you are, now I exhort you to walk in a way that reflects that. You can't walk that way if you're not secure. How about 1 John 3, 2 and 3? We just read that. That we, we look for his appearing and everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself. It's a purifying hope. If you don't have that hope, then you're not going to be purifying yourself. 
You see, the doctrine of the Lord's return is not given to us so that we might debate in theological circles when he's coming back. The doctrine of the Lord's return is given to us that it might, it might lead us to practical godliness because if I, if I know he can return for me at any moment, then I'm going to live my life in light of that. If I don't, then I'm not going to live my life in light of that. You see, so it's a purifying hope. And if we're insecure in our faith, then we're not going to have that, that purifying work done in our lives. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. I just want you to see it's all throughout the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 1. If then you have been raised up with Christ, now that speaks of our position in Him. If then you have been raised up with Christ, security in Him, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. What he's saying is it, it, because you're secure in Christ, because you're raised with Him, now walk that way. If you're insecure, you don't know if you're raised with Him, you can't walk that way. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, now look, therefore, based on your position in Christ, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that all these things ought to be forsaken because you are secure in your position in Christ. He's really saying walk worthy of who you are in the Lord Jesus. That's, he's saying the same thing as he said in Ephesians. Another passage I'd like you to turn to, and this is just precious. I never saw this until this week. 1 Peter chapter 2. I've preached on 1 Peter. I've dealt with this, but I never connected this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Most of us know this verse, but uh, because there are chapter divisions that the translators have put in, we often uh, miss the point of connecting uh, chapters together. So let me start off by saying first, reading 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Now he says, first of all, you've got to put off malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, all slander. You've got to put away sin if you're to have a desire for the word. You say, well, what's so new about that? The word therefore is, uh, is therefore for a specific reason. And whenever you see the word therefore, you must look what came before this verse. What came before this? Well, I want to suggest that verse 23 of chapter 1 is the, uh, is the basis for this appeal. Chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The appeal is based on the fact that we have been born again by the incorruptible, or let me put it another way, imperishable, or let me put it another way, the seed that never dies. The incorruptible seed of what? God's word. And his word lasts forever, so our salvation lasts forever. That's the whole point. We have been born again by something that can never die. All the, the flesh dies, it fades away, but the word of our God lives forever. We have been born again by that word that lives forever, therefore the new nature within us lives forever. And Peter says, based on the fact that salvation is forever, 
Because you've been born again, and that born again is eternal. Therefore, put aside all malice, and all guile, and all hypocrisy, and all envy, and all slander, and desire the milk of the word. Now, if you think you can lose your salvation, then that appeal loses its, its potency. You see the point? The appeals are made based on our security and our eternal, uh, the unending nature of the new life. How about another one? You know 1 Corinthians 15, 56, 58 rather? He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know why he says that? Because of our certainty. He's taken chapter 15 and he's dealt, Paul has dealt with the resurrection. I call it resurrection truth. And, and the truth he's saying here is that you have a future in heaven because Christ rose from the dead. Therefore, you have a future in heaven. Based on this, he says, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Why isn't it in vain in the Lord? Because for certain, you're going to be with the Lord for, for all eternity. You take away, you take away eternal security and you take away the motivation for Christian service. In fact, one person has put it this way, a man by the name of Harold Barker in his book Secure Forever says this, one does not put his money in a bank unless he's quite sure it will be secure, right? Obviously. Nor will one invest his life as a sacrifice and work for God unless he knows that his investment is secure. That's the way it is. Because I know that if I invest my life in the cause of Christ, then my labor is not in vain. If I can lose my salvation, then my labor is in vain and the word of God is not true. And you might as well throw it out. And by the way, this was told to the, to the uh, carnal Corinthian church. <laughs> it was told to them. In fact, you know what the basis is? The appeal is made on this. Verse 51. Paul says, Behold, I, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All of us, all of us who know the Lord are going to be changed. At the rapture, we're going to be changed. If you're alive, it's going to change you. If you're dead, you're going to also be changed. Everybody's going to be changed. What's he saying? There's the hope, there's the confidence that we're going to all be changed and be with the Lord. And therefore, he says, based on this, be steadfast. Don't move. You see, steadfastness is dependent upon security. If you're insecure, it will lead to a life of instability, not steadfastness. I've said that before. So we're not to obey out of, out of fear but out of love and gratitude and because Jesus has given us such a wonderful, secure salvation. One more passage dealing with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think this sums it up beautifully. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us or constrains us, having concluded that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. What do you say? The love of Christ, Christ's love in me constrains me. Why? Because his death motivates me. His death motivates me to live for him. We should no longer live for ourselves, but for him. I ought to serve him out of love because of the love he has shown me. And that's the motivation for you. Now, you know, last week I had this shocking thing. I had a number of pages left to go and time ran out. Would you believe it? I've only gone halfway through 
my notes. And so we're going to stop here as far as the dangers. We'll pick it up, Lord willing, next week. The dangers of, of not believing in eternal security. It is a very dangerous thing to not believe in eternal security. Don't think it's an isolated theological discussion. Now, even as you're packing up and getting ready to go, let me say this. If you are without Christ, we have a salvation to tell you about that is secure. You don't ever need to fear that this salvation is something that will be taken away from you. In fact, I told you last week, some people say, don't tell unbelievers about this doctrine. Don't, don't tell them about things like election and things like security. It will only confuse them. And you know what? I believed that for a long time until it dawned on me, and I studied this, and until it hit me, that in John chapter 10, the very passage that we began with, Jesus was speaking to a bunch of Pharisees who were not his sheep. And he was telling them, in fact, all through the Gospel of John, he deals with them about election, he deals with them about security, he deals, all these things. You know, I want to tell you who are without Christ the same truth, because our salvation is not cheap. Our salvation is something that has been planned for by God. Our salvation is something that is, that is dependent upon the greatest work that has ever been done, the work on the cross. And the Lord Jesus Christ didn't come to earth and didn't plan our salvation before the foundation of the world and die for our sins so that you could have it and lose it tomorrow. It is secure. And it's not based on you. It's based on Him. Now, if you do know Christ and you struggle with this and the giant of doubt... Is, is racking your spirit and your mind, would you take out that key of promise and rely upon the Word of God? I, I've got to remind myself about these things. The promises of the Word of God. You don't need to live in, in depression. You don't need to live in, in doubt. You don't need to live in failure and defeat. Satan's greatest tool is discouragement. You can live in victory. We're not talking about emotional pizzazz, but, but confident victory because you know why? We have a firm foundation. Let's bow for prayer. If you're without the Lord Jesus Christ, may I invite you to come to him because Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no way cast out. I invite you to come to him because he invited you to come to him. If you'd like to speak to someone about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, as your savior, as your permanent deliverer from sin, then we'll have a counselor up after the service We'll be happy to speak to you right up in the front. You just come up after and let me know or Bruce Mills know, and we'll direct you to someone. If you need to pray, you need to speak things over with the Lord, maybe you've wandered from the, from the shepherd. You haven't lost your salvation, but you need to come back to him. You need to walk with him again. We invite you to come up after, pray, go in one of the rooms. The choir room is, is open. It won't, you won't be distracted by people. Pray, seek the Lord. If you need to speak to a counselor, we'll have someone available. Dear Christian friend, rest on him. Rest on who he is, not on what you've done. Father, I thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is our permanent Savior. I thank you that uh, no one is able to snatch us out of his hand or the Father's hand. And I, I thank you that, uh, that we have that assurance. Even though all hell should endeavor to shake us, we're secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us like Christian and hopeful and in Pilgrim's Progress to use that great key that you've given us, the key of promise. We thank you for the promises of the Word of God. We rely upon them, not our own feelings, not our, our own intuitions and, and attitudes and emotions, but we rely upon the Word of God. We thank you that our salvation is permanent. We thank you that we are secure 
And Lord, we pray that you'll use what has been shared this morning to lead many to that secure walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, that godliness that comes only from knowledge of who he is and who we are in him. For this we pray in his name, even the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is an emotionally charged topic, isn't it? And a complicated one. For many years, I wasn't sure where I stood on it, but eventually I came to believe after years of study that there is a correct answer. God saves us and keeps us saved by His grace and for His own glory. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse, and I hope you've been both blessed and challenged. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our Bible teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is listener-supported. If the Lord is moving you to help support this ministry over and above what you already give to your local church, we would be honored and delighted to have you on our team. You can find out how at versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Giving tab. And while you're there, you may want to click on the Message Archive tab. You can listen online or download today's broadcast or any of the others in our large collection. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. You can also email us your questions at contact at versebyverseradio.org. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will begin by answering a question that might be on your mind as we continue to dig into the pros and cons of eternal security. You might be wondering, 